in. John chapter 13, we're just going to look at two verses this morning. If you're uh, new to Ethos, normally we take a big chunk of scripture and we, we just kind of take it apart. But this morning, I, I don't want us to miss the forest for the trees. I want us to, to really see what it is that I think Jesus is after. And so we're going to just dig into these two verses together, uh, starting in verse 34 and uh, 35 of John chapter 13. Uh, this is a part of a conversation that Jesus had uh, with some of his closest friends just a few hours before he'd be betrayed and arrested and brutally beaten. Verse 34, this is Jesus speaking. He says, a new command I give to you. Now, I don't know what that does in your heart, but like when, when Jesus says, hey, here's the new command. Church, can we just agree that we need to pay attention to it? Just shake your head if that makes sense. Like Jesus says, hey, here's a new command. Here's something that I want you to make a priority in your life. Verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I'm gonna read that one more time. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's the standard. Jesus says, let me define love for you. I'm not talking about this fickle, watered down, romantic comedy version of love that has infiltrated your American understanding. He says, this is what I'm talking about. He says, this is the command Love one another, and this is the standard, the way that I've loved you. And he says, and by this kind of love, everyone will know what? That you're with me. Everyone will know that you're my disciples because of the way that you love me. Remember uh, several years ago, my in-laws, they, they took Sydney and I on a vacation. We get to do this every few years with them. Uh, and uh, they took us on this cruise, which was an amazing experience. Some of you have heard this story before, but just humor me because it was such a life uh, shaping moment for me uh, in my journey with Jesus. They, they took us on this cruise and we're there. And if you've never been on a cruise before, uh, kind of the way that it works is for every six or seven rooms, there'll be one crew member, kind of like this personal concierge whose job is to just kind of take care of the needs of the people that are staying in that little block of rooms for the week. Does that make sense? So kind of their job is to, to give you towels if you need them, to answer any questions that you may have about what's coming up or activities and all of those sort of things. So the first or second night that we're there, our concierge, he knocks on our door and introduces himself and we're, we're just having small talk. It's just me in the room at that point. Just this great guy having this conversation. And he says, hey, Dave, uh, what do you and your wife do for, for jobs? Like, what do you do for work? And I said, well, my wife, she's a college professor. She teaches anatomy and physiology. She's also a, a physical therapist and a mom. And, and uh, my job, I train leaders. I work with leaders. I plant churches. And I, I pastor a church in, in Nashville, in, uh, Tennessee. And he just lights up. He says, oh, man, I, I've helped plant a church. And I'm a part of a church here on the boat. And he says, do you want to come preach at our church this week? And I don't know what you like to do on your vacation, but I'll tell you what I don't like doing on my vacation is what I do when I'm not on vacation. And that's preach. Like I thought, like in my heart, I thought, no, I don't want to come preach. Like that's why I'm on a cruise. But because I'm from Tennessee and a liar, I looked at him, I said, yes, I would love, I love to preach when and where. And uh, he says, our church meets on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. I'm like, come again? Like, what? When? Don't you know that's not a biblical hour to worship the Lord? 
And uh, he goes on and he, he begins to tell me, he's like, you know, our church is made up of mostly people who work on the ship and most of us work from 6 a.m. until 9 or 10 p.m. at night and it's the only time we can get together. And uh, we work seven days a week and so we meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays because we have the most energy kind of at, at that point of the week. Would you, would you come preach to us? And so now I'm like, I've got to come preach to these people. And so Thursday night comes around and he knocks on the door at 10.30 to, to come escort me down. And I remember he took me down into the kind of the lower bowels of this, this cruise ship. We, we go down to the place where uh, most of the visitors never see. It's where uh, the, the crew members live and work and eat and do all of the things to take care of the rest of the ship. And he takes me kind of down this little winding corridor into this, this little room. It was kind of like an activities room. That's what it seemed like. Uh, a room about one-fifth the size of this space. And we're just sitting in there, and he says, here's what's going to happen over the next 20 or 30 minutes. People are going to come in, and uh, they've worked a long day, but we're going to come in, and we're going to worship God together. We're just going to go after it, and uh, church will go until about one or so, and then after that, we're going to have our small group time. I'm like, what? How long does this go? And, uh, and uh, he says, that's going to be the flow of the evening. So I'm just sitting there in this little room just praying, getting ready, uh, to preach, and all of a sudden, just one by one, people come in. And I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise before, but typically, the people that work on cruise ships, they come from countries all over the world. And so it's like I'm there in this like many United Nations. I mean, people are walking in, and every person that comes through the door, whoever else was already in the room, they'd stand up and they'd come and give them a big hug. Like, how's your day? Like, was your boss any better today? Like, what's going on? Just asking questions, you know? Hey, hey, how is it? And uh, they'd pray over each other, encourage each other. And over the course of about 20 or 30 minutes, this room just filled up with these sweaty, tired, exhausted people that just spent the last 12 to 15 hours serving tourists like me on the boat. It's time for worship to begin in this uh, young Chinese woman who I later would find out was the woman who planted the church and was the pastor of this church on the boat. She, she stands up and she says, hey, I'm so glad you're here tonight. She said, we're just gonna worship the Lord. And she said, I know you've worked all day, but we're just like gonna go after God tonight. And she starts praying over the church and the church just starts praying out loud. She didn't ask anybody to do it, but she's praying and the, the church just starts praying out loud, just calling on the name of Jesus. I'm like, this is incredible. And then the band gets up to, to lead worship for us. And they had this little makeshift screen, not nearly as cool as our screens, you know, but they have this makeshift screen and the words are up on the screen and above the words are the chords for each of the, the, the songs because the band, they worked on the ship, they had jobs, they never got to practice. And so instead of the band standing up and facing the church, the band was like this, you know, looking at the screen, literally learning it as they were playing. And, I'm telling you, those of us that are Nashville, you have no idea how spoiled we are in Nashville. Their band, to put it in spiritual terms, they sucked. They were, <laughs> they were horrible. Like, but uh, there's this guy playing guitar. I thought, I don't know how long he's been playing guitar, but he's, he's watching. But let me tell you, it was a glorious eruption of people calling on the name of God. For the next hour, they're just like singing, they're just like praising through the messed up chords and the out-of-tune guitars and the janked up keyboard. They're just like worshiping the Lord and, and they just kind of honestly get tired. That's what ended worship. They just got tired of singing and sweating and, and so the, the, the Chinese lady who had kicked things off, she gets up and says, hey, now we're gonna have a, a word from our, our, our friend who's visiting and so I get up and I preach a sermon, not to brag, but it's like really good, you would have loved it. And, I preached this sermon, 
And I get to the end of it, I'm, I'm done. And I get ready to sit down and she says, hey, do you have anything else? Like, we'd love another one. I, I kid you not, this is true. Uh, I'm like, really? Like, who wants two sermons? None of us want one. They, they wanted two. That's how spiritual they were, two sermons. And so I open up the word and just I keep preaching. And then we have this time of worship and get to the end of it. And so now we're entering into our small group time. If you brought food tonight, get the food out and they get their backpacks. These people that had worked on the ship, they, they pull out these um, uh, styrofoam containers and these saran wrapped containers. And I begin to recognize what's happened. They've taken food off of the buffets that we ate on all day and they piled it up. This one guy has this like, just this sack load of French fries. He like had the score that night, <laughs> like French fries. Everybody's excited. This woman had pieces of pizza. A guy had uh, uh, just a, a two liter of um, grape soda. And it was the worst, jankiest potluck you've ever seen in your life. But they gathered around, they prayed and they ate. And then the, we split up around the room and we sat around these little tables and for the next hour, just looked at each other and said, hey, what's God doing in your life? Hey, where are you struggling with sin? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And about 3.30 in the morning, about three o'clock in the morning, I walk out of what to this day is the most amazing church experience I've ever been a part of in my whole life. And I remember just thinking, oh, I want more of that. Like, isn't that what you want? Like, isn't that what you like long for? Like this, this collision of passion for God and love for one another? Like, I thought, man, what happens when people say, Jesus, we want you to be the centerpiece of our life. We want your mission to be the bullseye of our life, but we want all of that to unfold in the context of an environment where everyone in this room knows that they are loved because they exist. And I went, man, something powerful happens when a group of people say, God, we love you and we love one another and we don't care how long it takes and how janky it feels, we will express that love to you and one another I remember being in the bowels of that cruise ship, seeing John 13 unfold. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. You must love one another the way that I have loved you. And this is the way that people will know that you're with me because the way you love each other. You know, one of the joys of my life is, Sydney and I, we get, we get to spend a lot of time in different contexts working with different church leaders and every time I tell them that story about what happened on the cruise ship, you see people just kind of sit up straighter, like their eyes light up and they go, yes, that's it. Because never once in my life have I heard someone say, hey, this is my vision for church. My vision is that we would all show up and sit shoulder to shoulder in a room full of strangers and sing a few songs that we don't know that well. And, and, and to, to listen to a sermon and to walk out of here and to just exist on the fumes of that thing that happened for the next week. I've never heard anyone say, that's the longing of my heart for church, but it's what almost all of us settle for. And I remember talking to this group of leaders recently and I was sharing that story about what happened on the cruise ship and I went, man, don't you want that? Like, don't you want that? And every time I ask that question, unequivocally, people go, yes, I want that. And then all of the buts come. 
But Americans just don't do church that way. But Americans are just too busy. But Americans are just too distracted. But, 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 but. And I just want to say this as plainly as I know how to say it. If we don't experience, if we don't experience this kind of communal life, it's not because it's not available. It's just because we haven't taken it. And nobody can stand up and say, hey, here's community, and here's how we're going to do it. But it's what unfolds when a group of men and women get so exhausted with the status quo, get so tired of the low level, shallow end version of Christianity that says, I'll come and consume, I'll come and take, but no one here will really know me. And Jesus says, a new suggestion I give you. No, uh, 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 uh. Jesus says, a new what? Command I give you, love one another. Love one another as I've loved you. This is how people will know that you are with me. I remember speaking about this recently with some pastors and one of the guys literally, he quoted to me the research that has been done on American Christianity. He quoted like one of the, uh, the most well-known researchers in the Western hemisphere. And he said, Dave, that's a great idea. That's a great vision, but don't you know he says, don't you know that the average American will only give their practice of church, whatever that means. I hate that phrase, by the way. Just so you know how my heart feels, I hate that phrase, the practice of church. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. But he says, did you know most Americans will only give the practice of church three hours of their life each week? In other words, they'll give a Sunday morning, and if they're really, really spiritual, they'll show up at a group or they'll serve somewhere or they'll go to a Bible study, that most American Christians in the context of community will only give three hours a week to their expression of practicing church. And I went, man, that may be the research, but I'm just telling you, that's not what I'm gonna do. It's not what I'm gonna do. And I just wanna ask, who wants more than that? Like, who wants to be a part of more than that? Any of you, like, do you want that? You can say something. Do you want more than that kind of church? I just want to say this clearly. If you just want a low-level dose of Christian goods and services, if you just want to be inoculated by the gospel, get your fix and leave, this is not going to be your place anymore. But if you want to be known and to know the father of love and his children that he's brought together in the son Jesus Christ, then maybe this is the place that we should dig in together. I'm just saying, I don't want, I don't want what has been, but only you and I get to decide what will be. And relationships are slow and messy and terrible. That's why we stay online and make sure our neighbors don't come in our house. But I'm telling you, life with God is found in the wild and in the messy of real people getting together saying, God, you'll be our priority. And the people next to us will indeed matter. Jesus says, a new command I give you, 
Love one another as I've loved you. This is how everybody will know that you're with me. Is the way that you love. Jesus says it's not how cool the preaching is or the worship service or the venues or even the ministry. He says, no, the way that they know is he says people will walk into your midst and they'll see the way you treat each other and that will be their understanding of whether or not Jesus is who he says he is. Do you realize the most important sermon that happens in this room every week is not what comes from up here. It's what happens right here. And that people are deciding whether or not Jesus really is who he says he is based very little upon what I say. And it's how we what? Love and serve and treat each other. I love this. Jesus commands us to do this. Why does he command it? He commands it because he knows it's so unnatural. Have you ever noticed Jesus never commanded things that were easy to do? Jesus never said, a new command I give you. Make sure you breathe every few seconds. Hey, a new command I give you, spend most of your money on yourself. Hey, a new command I give you, guard your weekends and make sure they're fun. Jesus doesn't have to command that, why? Because we're so dang good at it. What does he command? The stuff that goes against the grain. Love your enemies, whoa, 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 whoa. Love one another. Whoa. But Jesus, don't you know how busy I am? So we can make excuses or we can just repent and begin experiencing the spoils of God's life and joy in us as we walk in the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Like we can sit around and go, well, it's just a big church and it's hard to know people in a big church. That's true. But the size of the church doesn't have anything to do with whether or not we can know each other. I, I teach in small churches all the time. They don't love any, each other any better than we do. Why? Because people are a part of those churches as well. And people are the worst to love. I'm the worst to love. This sort of thing doesn't happen accidentally. It happens when all of a sudden we say, hey, Jesus, we believe that your vision for what it means to be a family is so much better and so much more life-giving than this low level of vision that we've all bought into. And Jesus says, this is what I'm after, that you would love each other with the way of love that I've extended towards you. And by this, everybody will know that you're with me. They go, man, what, what an amazing thing this is. What an amazing thing this is when it happens. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what this would feel like if you came in and the defining marker of Ethos Church was the love of God being worked out virally among ourselves one person at a time? Can you imagine how life-giving that would be? It'd be so life-giving. It's what you were made for. It's what we all want even if we don't know it. But in order to get it, some things have to change. We have to move and surrender this transactional way of viewing relationships that creeps into our American hearts. You know, this, this idea that says, I'll be vulnerable with you only if you'll be vulnerable with me first. 
Hey, I'll love you only if you'll love me first. Hey, I'll be committed to you only if you're committed to me first. No, we've got to move from transactional love to covenantal love where someone's brave enough to stand up first and say, hey, even if nobody else in this room is gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna love and I'm gonna serve and I'm gonna commit and I'm gonna be vulnerable, right? That's the love of Christ being poured out. We have to move from transactional to, to covenantal. We have to slow down our lives if we want to experience what Jesus is talking about. That if your life and your calendar is maxed out, I just want to say this with, with kindness. Sydney and I are both extreme extroverts. All three of our boys are extroverts, which means our calendar is just a mess because we want to be at every party all the time, everywhere. We love it. But we've begun to realize that if we want to experience John 13, we have to create some margin in our life. That we have to begin preemptively saying we're gonna create space so that we can be a part of what God's doing in his people. That we have to move from this transactional form of love to covenantal. We have to, to move from constant busyness to being slowed down. We have to move from accidental attentiveness to one another's needs to intentional attentiveness. Where we look at each other in the eyes and say, hey, how are you really doing? What's really going on? Hey, we've missed you the last few weeks. There's some people that used to sit next to you every week in this room, they're not here anymore. Have you called them? Have you noticed? And it just laid out there to say, man, if we want to take Jesus seriously, collectively, we've got to decide to move in to the relational deep end. Jesus says, this is how the world will know. It's by the way that you love each other. And I go, don't you want that? Don't you want that? I go, man, that's what I want. And I just want to tell you, you can have it. You can have it. Nobody else can make you have it. Nobody else can make you step into it. But I promise you, if collectively we'll make the decision to walk down the long, slow, messy road of real relationships, man, the outpouring of God's presence in us and through us will do more than you ever could have asked or imagined. See, when you came to Jesus, you didn't just get Jesus, but you got the whole family. When my boys were born, they weren't just born into a relationship with Sydney and I, but they got the whole family. And the truth is, being a part of the whole family is sometimes messy, and yet that's where life is found. And today, at the end of our worship gathering, Aaron will give you, he's gonna give you some instructions on this later. You have the opportunity to step into some smaller relational circles in our church. We call them house churches. You know, some of you grew up in your church, they call them small groups or life groups or missional communities or, or whatever it was. But these house churches are these moments where we're saying, hey, we want to come here not as consumers, not to take, but to give. We want to, we want to roll up our sleeves. We want to get into people's lives. And we want to practice what Jesus commands in John chapter 13. And it only works if collectively together as a church we say, hey, Jesus, 
Would you help me be a part of creating that sort of space and not just consuming it? Because when a group full of consumers shows up to find community, what do they end up doing? They just take from each other and they never get the thing that they were meant to give. But when a group of people show up and they say, hey, we wanna do what Jesus talks about. The grand irony of it all is as you give your life away, you receive the very thing you were looking for in the first place. And I go, man, I, I long for the day where this space feels like the basement of a cruise ship. Where people say, man, we are unashamedly going after God and expressing our love for each other and we just don't care who knows about it. But to get there, it's gonna take some work. It's gonna take some intentionality. And I believe it's gonna start in the place of prayer. And this is how I wanna end our teaching time this morning before we take communion and before uh, we, we worship some more. Is I believe a lot of times our biggest challenge in finding community, it's not just a, a logistical thing or a practical thing. So often it's a spiritual thing. And that the enemy delights in moving us into spaces of isolation so that we can fail to bring glory to God in the way that we love each other. And so we're gonna spend some time right now just praying that God would supernaturally break down the strongholds that are keeping us from knowing each other and loving each other, okay? And so I wanna invite you right now, get with somebody next to you. If you don't know them, you can say hello to them right now. Look to the person next to you and say hello. And say, hey, we're gonna spend the next few minutes praying together. And so I'm just gonna pray over you and then I'm gonna invite you to take the next five or 10 minutes to just pray that God would break down any of the strongholds that are keeping us from living out John 13. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we love you. And we know that you love us. You have proven it. Would you help us to love each other that same way? God, break down any of the strongholds that are keeping us from loving each other that way. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Give us somebody next to you. Let's pray out loud together right now that God would help us supernaturally love each other as a family.